Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, a podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis, during which we take a little bit of a deeper dive into the sermon that we most recently heard. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And I am delighted, as always, to be with my colleague, Seth Patterson. Hello. Hi, Seth. I'm, I'm glad to be here. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church. You get to talk about the things I said. I know. I was just going to say, well, I'm really glad you are here, Seth, because it was your sermon that we heard yesterday. Wouldn't it be weird if I wasn't here? <laughs> it would be not nearly as fun. I would have to talk about you while you weren't here. I'd like to hear that. I want to I want to know what that is. <laughs> so we are talking about the sermon that was preached on Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, looking at the Pentecost story, which is a good portion of the second chapter of the book of Acts. You chose to really focus on the first eight verses, Acts yep. 2 verses 1 through 8. And the title of your sermon, which sadly did not contain a colon. I know like I promised. lied accidentally yeah. last week. You're going to have to make up for it sometime. But it was a great title and a great sermon. What kind of ancestor do you want to be? That is the question that continued to unfold and be asked during the sermon. I think I asked it 30 times in the 15 minutes. And I like I said mantra. at the beginning, I just... I would have, in another setting, if there were people, I would have loved to just ask it and then not have to talk anymore about it and just hear what people had to say. Well, I am actually glad you did talk about it because there were many parts of this that I thought were quite compelling. But I, I want to start with a question because that became the whole basis of the sermon. What kind of ancestor do you want to be? And you say in the first few um, sentences of your sermon that this is a question that has been laid upon your heart for a long time. It's something you've been asking yourself and sort of wrestling with it. So tell yeah. us, tell us the history of the question. I am somebody who thinks about my own mortality a lot. So that, I guess that's sort of the root of the whole thing is I think about mortality all the time. I just think about um, not necessarily what happens afterwards, um, but more just what if this is the last day? What if this is, and it, it's not, I know that can sound morbid, but it, it's, it is a way that I, just the way my brain works, I guess. And so with that, and then my Nora, my wife is, her ancestry is Quechua or Inca in, in Peru. And, and as we are both learning more and more about her history, ancestors are a huge part of the culture and the, the religion of the indigenous folk in, in that part of the world, as, as is true many places. So we talk about ancestors a lot. We, we, it's, it's become part of, part of our common language is talking about ancestors. So that then this mortality plus ancestors kind of got combined in my mind. And then as I am watching adults around the world and specifically in our own culture and country, as I am watching them do the things that the adults are doing right now, I just, I found myself asking, is that the kind of ancestor you want to be? Like, mm. is that when your family remembers you, do you, is that really the way that, is that the stance you really wanted them to remember you having? Is that the thing that 
is going to make you proud as an ancestor. And then the other side of that, seeing people do incredible, amazing, love-filled, beautiful things and saying, and having those learning from them. And I started through witness, carry them. They become ancestors for me. Like I learned this from this person. I don't know who they were. I might not remember who it is, but I learned something and I'm going to carry that on in my life. Mm. Those good things. That's where it comes from. Well, it's an excellent question. I also Mm. love the thought of being a future ancestor. So you talk about in all the examples you lift up, you talk about a future ancestor did this, this sort of cloud of witnesses that have become for you guides along your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you lift up oh half a dozen or so examples of, of future ancestors who have done something that have impacted you in some way. And what I really appreciated about all those examples is that they, well, they were extraordinary, but not really. They're also sort of mundane. They're right. They're like ordinary thing. Like you don't, you know, you don't have to do this big momentous thing and be recognized in history forever to be the kind of ancestor we might all long to be. The famous 20th century rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who, who was a collaborator of King and was a big voice of, of American Judaism in the 20th century. Somewhere in, in the things I read of him, he talked about mitzvahs. And mitzvahs are a Jew, it's, I think it means blessing, literally. And how he was saying that it is incumbent upon Jews to practice mitzvahs. And these are saying thank you when somebody opens the door. Mm. Giving things, like th- these kind of small kindnesses. And he says that unfor- he was trying to combat the fact that uh, unfortunately many of, when people talk about mitzvahs, it'd be like a hospital wing named after you or a huge philanthropy kind of project, but rather saying those are good. Those needs to be done, but they are no more important mitzvahs than feeding somebody who's hungry. Like the, the, the small kindnesses and the big kindnesses are both of equal important. And then, so for me, those mundane things that people do or seemingly mundane, I find to be really meaningful. Do you think it's important that we identify Whatever that is that has impact on us when we see it, when we name it, do you think it makes a difference to the person or not? Yes. Have you ever years later been reminded of something that you said or did to somebody that you don't even remember, but there was a huge impact on them? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, what if you knew it earlier than 20 years later, five years later? Like, What if in the moment somebody said, but we also don't even always know what resonates. Right. So uh, the first story I tell is about a, 86-year-old future ancestor not being able to carry a Black Lives Matter sign because they were needed ski poles to stay upright. Mm-hmm. In the moment, it was it was more of a curiosity to me. But over the last month or so, it has just it plays in my head and I've I've made great meaning out of that person's presence. Mm-hmm. So even if I, you know, I thanked them in the moment, thank you for being here. But I'm not sure they knew. I w- I'm not sure I could have expressed in the moment how important it was until it sat with me for a while. That's true. Well, I kept thinking while you were preaching that sort of the subtext for me in this sermon was how important it is to be present, to be mindful, like to really notice, not just our, not our own actions, but those, the actions of our others. Well, I guess it's important to acknowledge and be yeah. aware of our own actions, but to really pay attention to what others do that have, an impact on us, the world, on other people. 
I think in this time, especially we're, we're called to sort of to stand back and be really significant observers in the world. And, and the way that we interact matters. Who you does. are matters. matters. And the what you do matters. Yeah. Not just in this moment, but you don't know who watched you do that thing. Absolutely. You don't know what child is going to be impacted or other person is going to be impacted by what you did in ways that you we can't control how our impact is, but we can be mindful that there is an impact. One of the things I'm really aware of when I'm preparing to lead a memorial service for a person is, um, and I talk with families as I prepare about the legacy of the person we're remembering, yeah. which I thought about too a lot of one when when you were preaching yesterday. And I've often said in you know a homily during a memorial service that I don't think many of us live our life planning the legacy we intend to leave. No. That's recognized following our presence here on earth by other people who noticed what we did. So I just, I guess I want to be careful that, you know, in this conversation, we aren't implying that you have to be a certain way in the world in order to gain favor for from future generations. I think what I heard in your sermon was just this authentic sort of, who do you want to be? What kind of space do you want to hold? And being really thoughtful about that rather than trying to craft it into something it isn't. Right. And I very purposely did not use the word legacy. Mm. It was in earlier drafts and I cut them out because that's not, it's a small line. It's a thin line, but that's not what I'm talking about. Who are you now? Who's knowing that it matters and that people are watching you and what you do impacts others. And you, that is how you'll be remembered as an ancestor Mm. someday. Well, let's talk about Pentecost because okay. I have to tell you that the day of Pentecost is one of my favorite days in the church. Oh, I just did I ruin it for you? Not one bit, <laughs> but it's the story of people coming together. And I imagine the scene and it's a cacophony of noise and no one understands anybody and there's chaos. And suddenly, you know, it's like cue the wind and the flames and suddenly the Holy Spirit enters in and, su- and everyone even though they continue to speak their own language, they can understand each other. That's to me is really a profound imagining, visioning, that commitment to understanding and being community. And so I'm really curious about why you chose Pentecost to pose this question. Partially because it's on my was on my heart, but also partially because that's when I was thinking about Pentecost. That's what emerged for me was this this concept of receiving a gift and then what did we do with it how did how did we take that gift we being christians with the big c what did we do when we received this gift and we did amazing things and we've done terrible things mm. just like people and and so that's that was for me the connector between pentecost and this idea of cuz those are our ancestors those are our faith ancestors and so how do we speak of that based on this moment in time of this gift? Well, and you state in your sermon, how have Christians over the centuries handled the gift of Pentecost? What choices have our faith forebears made? We have a pretty mixed record, don't we? Mm-hmm. The gift of the spirit has brought great love and care to the world, but also deep sorrow, brokenness, and pain. Yeah. Yeah. You paint an important picture and it, leads me to ask, so what, what do we do? You know, Christians have not made the best ancestors and what do we do with that? 
I would say people have not made the best ancestors broadly, <laughs> but but we're not we're not talking to all people. Right. In in a sermon, we are talking to a community of faith, and our faith happens to be Christian. So we get to be sort of critical of Christians. I was I was hoping that people, you know, in in the planning of like, whoa, what are people going to come back upset about? I didn't want people to say. Well, Muslims have done, Hindus have done. I was like, well, we're not talking to Muslims and Hindus. We're talking to Christians. Right. Pentecost is a Christian piece. So and it's we're easy talking about to, Christian history here. Yeah. It's easy to say, but what about, no, mm-hmm. not about. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make a very valid point that Christians have not made the best ancestors. And yes, I know we could broaden it to people, but let's talk about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christians haven't made the, the best answer. So my question is, what do we do with that now? I don't know. What do we do with it? Mm. What, what did you do with it when I brought it up? Well, I got sad, yeah. you know, as I thought about how, how right on that is. And, and we've talked on this podcast before about all the horrible things that have been done in the name of loving Jesus, which I just don't understand at all. I just wonder how what we know of what's been done can influence who we are and how we move forward as Christians in community together. Much like our own families, you and I both inherited from our parents in the, the most micro of ways, wonderful things. And also things that we have had to work to undo. And we are both handing them down to our children. Some of the things, great gifts. And we're also handing our children things that they are going to have to undo and let go of, right? That's sort of the same thing brought to a larger scale. We have to both recognize the parts of Christianity that have been life-giving and wonderful and world-holing, integrating, and... So that we can maybe learn from them and keep doing them and propagate them and and build those up while also recognizing the ways that they have also been destructive so that we can maybe stop doing them. That was the idea. Well, I think just as we are being implored, it's being demanded of us to examine our history as a country in a way that we didn't want to give it much credence before. We didn't, we didn't want to recognize and name and try to repair all the incredible racial hatred that was happening. I think we have to do the same thing with Christianity. We have to, we have to be real with what was, what happened, and figure out what that means for us now and, and in the days to come and as Christian community. And we're seeing that being borne out in a very simplistic way. There are certain Christian communities who are holding the only us are okay mentality, Mm -hmm. which is part of Christianity. That is absolutely written. It has been used. There's only one way and it's this. And if you're not part of this, you're out of luck. Also, the more holistic or one path of many kind of God is the goal, but how you get there is, is based on your circumstances and beliefs and geographies and things like that. These two things are already sort of polarizing and are, are pulling apart. So there's already kind of two, to be very simplistic, two Christianities emerging. And they're both rooted in some part of our history. They're both very Christian historically. They just are manifesting in, sort, in new ways now. I mean, where I work will, will give a sense of which one I think is right, but they're both rooted in... A historical Christianity. And we have to recognize that. 
Well, and I think what you just said makes me realize that we, you know, we also have to expand the question. It's not only about us as an individual ancestor. It's about the communities in which we live and serve and work and our mm-hmm. create spiritual connection. What kind of ancestors do we want to be in community too? And the one quote I use from Barbara A. Holmes, I use that to try to pull us in that. A big part of what she talks about is interconnectedness mm-hmm. and elders and ancestors pouring their hearts as libations into community so that there is a light beyond just your individual person. There is, you are feeding a, a larger thing that could have continuation of love and goodness in the world. It's all about relationship. I'm going to say it again and showing up for it. Okay. (laughs) I know we're almost out of time, but I have one final question really quickly. Mm -hmm. And that is you answered your own question, which preachers don't often do. I Mm -hmm. don't always either, but you chose to answer your own question. You did it in a really lovely way. You don't have to talk about your answer, but I just wonder why you chose to do that. Why did you decide that you needed to answer your own question in this sermon? Because I really wanted other people to write theirs down. And I really wanted people to answer that question for themselves. And I thought if I modeled it, it would stop being a hypothetical and more of a thing. All right. So we all have homework, friends. We are to write down our answer. I think that's a great assignment, Seth. Thanks. So far, nobody has sent anything to me, and which is pretty normal. I often, I don't often, on occasion, will ask Hey, what is your answer to this? Tell me, I want to know. Nobody ever does. So I don't have high hopes for this, but maybe somebody will. All right, our faithful listeners, even if one or two of you send your response to Seth, you will make his day. I just know it. Mine too. Seth P at (laughs) Plymouth.org. Well, that is, uh, that's a wrap for this particular episode. Thanks for talking to me about a really fine sermon and a question that continues to ruminate in my heart and I believe Wolf for many. It's always good to be with you, Seth. And you. I was worried that this sermon would come across as trite. I hope it did not. Thank you for this conversation. Be well, friends. Take care.